Hello and welcome to Curious City. My name is Letty and I'm one of the co-founders of Curious Arts. This is a podcast all about encouraging people to get curious about what's going on creatively across the city. Um, I will be talking to a collection of individuals and organisations and companies that are making an impact and it's all about trying to encourage you to get off the sofa and get out into the world. Let's have a listen to who we're talking to today. Hello everybody, I am delighted to say that with me in the studio today we have got debut novelist Russ Thomas. Hello Hi. Russ. Hi Letty. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So I'm, I want to talk to you today about you and all the things that make you tick, but I also want to talk to you about fire watching, mm-hmm. which is your debut novel, but there is another one coming, we'll talk about that in a minute. Indeed. Um, which is set in Sheffield. Yes. And it's going to be published on the 20th of Feb, so any minute now, yep. by Simon, yep. Simon Schuster. Now. Schuster? Schuster. Schuster. Yes. Schuster. Yeah, Simon Schuster. Right, so I am guessing from the excellent quote on your website from uh, Mr. <laughs> Lee Childs, uh, which it, it, he's saying, a pitch perfect blend of the best of the old and the best of the new, a fresh and relevant 21st century edge. I mean, that's pretty great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Um, Lee Child's a bit of a hero of mine. Yes, and, you've, read um, a, you've, you've read every single one of his yeah, books. Yeah, every single one. Um, absolutely adore his work. Um, so it was, it was unbelievable because it was the first quote we got as well, the first one that came back. Gosh, um, so it was, yeah, it was I bet you did a little amazing. dance, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, I would have done. <laughs> um, so tell us about fire watching. <clears throat> okay, yeah, fire watching... It's a crime police procedural uh, set in Sheffield. Good. Um, it starts with a body that's found bricked up in the cellar of a country mansion, so oh, it's sort of just on the edge bumps. of the Peak District. And um, the body is assumed to be that of the house's former owner who went missing six years ago. And my hero, Adam Tyler, DS Adam Tyler, is called in. He's a cold case spe- specialist. Okay. Um, and he is called in to try and work out what's going on. Unfortunately, he discovers quite quickly that he's compromised and he has a connection to somebody involved in the case. Um, so he, obviously the right thing to do is to come declare clean. his interest, yeah. come clean, and, um, and get bumped off the case, but he has reasons for not doing that. Oh, it sounds so <laughs> intriguing. Um, what's he like, Adam? Um, he's a bit difficult... Um, he's he's the lone member of the South Yorkshire cold case unit. He isn't really expected to get results. He's been put there because of an altercation he had with another officer. Okay, and, so he's a bit um, of a dangerous lone wolf type. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't he doesn't mix well. He doesn't play well with others. Shall we say? Okay. And um, that's interesting because you actually describe yourself as a gregarious loner. <laughs> Now, I? I I loved that because I thought, what what does a gregarious lo- what what does that mean? Well, I suppose I I love being around people, but I also love spending time on my own. And and it depends what mood you get me in on any particular day, which of those two people yeah. you get. Um, Would you say you're kind of all or nothing? So you could go for a whole day on your own and be perfectly happy, but yeah. then suddenly think. Actually, I've got to go and see someone now. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And obviously, now I'm now I'm a full time writer. That happens more often 
than it used to and and of it's course. taken some getting used to and I think it's only through that that I've realized how much I do crave being around other people as well yeah so it's it's yeah it's been a, a, a steep learning curve the last year or so I think so you now when people say what what do you do do you say I'm a writer I do how yeah. does that feel it's it's surreal <laughs> a bit strange but you've always um, written haven't you I, you've written I, since I still, you were a yeah child. yeah I do but I still feel a bit apologetic about it I still feel like it's it's like oh sorry I should be sorry explaining. I'm a writer no, I'm, I'm, yeah yeah um and uh, yeah, no, I, I suppose I've been describing myself as a writer for a while, but but now I'm actually being paid for it, so it feels legitimate. It does feel like, yeah, an easy way to say. So how did you um, go from? I mean, I, I know that you you worked in Waterstones. You've always loved books, mm. and you've always read. Uh, you've <clears throat> been a voracious reader, and um, you cite everybody from uh, Agatha Christie to Barbara Kinsolver. Um, you read you you're inspired by a kind of eclectic range of writers and authors yeah I think most authors probably are or you I would imagine you won't find many writers even if they do tend to write one particular genre or, or type of fiction um, that's not to say that's the only thing they read um, people read far and wide yeah um, and I would encourage anyone who wants to be a writer to do exactly that. I mean, that's how you learn. You just read as much as possible. And that includes other forms of narrative as well. Um, non-fiction. non-fiction. Um, I'm not very good at reading non-fiction. I should do that. But I, read, I read a lot of plays. Yeah. Um, going to see things, watching TV dramas. Yeah, it's that's all, it's all part of it. All part and parcel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can justify it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, can you remember what, you know, when you discovered reading can you remember the first book that that made an impact on you or made you think I want to do this I want to um I can remember reading um Danny the Champion of the World oh, by Roald Dahl such a cracking book yeah and I just remember being obsessed with this idea of poisoning pheasants and <laughs> watching them drop out of trees hit the peak districts <laughs> in search of a pheasant no no um I wasn't that kind of kid uh <laughs> But yeah, it, so that, that, I mean, I read, a, I read a lot of Roald Dahl, I suppose, at that age. Um, uh, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim as well, I remember reading. Do you, oh, do you know that I don't one? know that. I know Roald, Roald Dahl Fantastic well. book. Um, it was made into a film as well when I was a kid, so that probably, maybe that was my introduction to it. But Yeah. And, and yeah. then, you, so you read, but did you write when you were that age? Um, yes, but in a very small way. I used to write stories and rubbish poems and things yeah uh, bet they weren't rubbish i found some the other day actually and they are terrible get them on your website i want to <laughs> no <read> way them. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably on social media somewhere i think i took a photo at the time yeah um i i'm interested in what that transition from writing mm. so you you uh, describe a kind of at one point you you, you talk about um the, the loneliness and the isolation of being a writer and missing those water cooler moments. Mm. Um, so that implies that you had, obviously, you worked in a variety of other jobs and I've since discovered they included pot, pot washing. Uh, yeah. I've got a list here. It's, it's excellent. <laughs> Optician's reception, receptionist, supermarket, warehouse operative, call centre and a storage salesman. The last one, yeah, how does that I mean, work? Do you just say, hello, please, may you buy this cupboard? Yeah, oh, no. Um, so, <laughs> most of those were pretty 
short term short, things yeah. as well. But yeah, the so the storage place was in a one of those um, storage facilities where you go and hire a room and then you can put all your belongings oh, in it. Oh, like a, a, the big yellow yeah, box yeah, thing. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, and it mostly involved trying to upsell people space and make them have more space than they needed, trying to sell them insurance <laughs> and then painting and cleaning. Do you think all the time. those things informed your writing, being in those places? Um, I've, I've often thought I should write something set in a self-storage place because I mean, it, it, it was be fascinating. It was strange and used like to all meet the some very in, interesting people. What did they put in there? <laughs> well, we didn't pay too much close attention to that. Oh, Russ, perhaps you should have thrown. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you couldn't always tell. Mostly it was people moving house and things like that. But you did, you did have some characters and yeah, some I bet. strange things. So what but, changed? So you were doing sort of bits and bobs and then... Well, I mean, all that was kind of just earning a living, really. While you were um, writing? Yeah. And then um, I, at that particular time, I was planning to go travelling and it was just a short job I had to, to tide me over until I went travelling. And then I didn't. I did go travelling eventually, but it was two years later. So I ended up staying there a lot longer than I intended to. Where did you go um, travelling? I went round the world oh, for a year. I just went round the world. <laughs> I won't list everywhere, but yeah, it was, oh, it was great. It was epic. And then you wrote your book in Sheffield um, about Sheffield. I love that. You yeah. Know, well, seen, I came back. Yeah. I've seen. I've seen everything else. No, Sheffield's still the one. I think. I, at first, I struggled to set it in Sheffield because it's quite hard to write about a place that you know really well when when you're living there. I think it's it's actually easier to Imagine remember it. other places because oh, okay. you don't you don't notice things, do you? On it, it's a bit like the pictures on your wall at home. You don't notice them on a daily basis. You know what they are and you know they're there, but you don't see them. Yeah, and, it's only if one of them's missing one day exactly, or it falls yeah. off the wall or yeah. Anything. So, but I I persevered because I knew. By that point, I knew I was writing this police series and I wanted it to be set somewhere that I knew well so that I could uh, use that experience to, to flesh it out and to make it feel real. So, And I think I remember, I, I'm, it's going to be really embarrassing if I've got this wrong, but I seem to remember you telling me at a, a book launch or maybe in Waterstones or something. Oh God, how drunk work. was I? No, not as drunk <laughs> as I was. Um, but I think you said that this manuscript was in a drawer for seven years um it, it probably wasn't in a drawer for that long but I I originally started writing it in um 19 uh, sorry in 2005 okay so it's now 15 years ago when I first started it and what made you revisit it um <clears throat> so I, I originally wrote it as the um piece that I had to write for the MA in writing okay. at Hallam and I finished it and then got a mark which was not fantastic but, oh jokes um, on them yeah well no I mean they were right it was rubbish at that point right um that's so that's when I put it away and also about the same time my father died and ah. so it kind of knocked me for a while and there was a year or two where writing became very much sort of a secondary thing I did sure. Um, so it went away, it definitely went away in a drawer at that point, but it was probably for a year or two. Okay. And then I wrote something else, and then I can't remember what made me dig it out, really. Um, uh, possibly my friend, my, my good friend Susan Elliott Wright, another good Sheffield author. Yeah, she's she's um, on my hit list. 
Yeah, she's fantastic. You should definitely have her on. Yeah. Um, she's going to be she, interviewing you at your various she launches, is, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. Which um, I'll, I will tell you all about later <laughs> in a sec. And uh, she she kept saying to me, no, go back to it because it's brilliant. You really need to have another, get it, sending it out again. And w- were you on the so, course at the same time? Um, she finished a year or so before I started, but in yeah. that way of, MAs, yeah. you, you kind of overlapped at functions and things. I think I met her at an evening do um, at some point. I think that's such an integral part of, of the writing process, oh, isn't it? Yeah. To have someone... You definitely need a network, yeah. which is great because that's part of what you're building here. Um, and that's, it's invaluable. I, I got that from the MA um, yeah. more than anything, really, meeting other people and being able to talk about writing in a way that you don't get to with your friends and loved ones because they don't really understand it. And they're like, is, how long does it take? Yeah, yeah. they just like, keep saying, how's that book coming? Yeah, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's still, still a work in progress. Like, obviously, um, it's not finished because I would have told you. <laughs> yeah, so she encouraged me to dig it back out, which I did. And at that point, it, I did quite a hefty rewrite um, and then another hefty rewrite. And I don't know, it, it was possibly because um, losing my dad about the same time, it became much more a story about fathers and sons. than, And, and I think really then I understood what I was writing about. And, and often I always recommend to students... Um, if you've got a big piece of work like that, it is useful to put it away. Perhaps not for two years, I wouldn't recommend that, but put it away for a few weeks at least and okay. then dig it out. And you can sometimes see it with a distance that you don't you don't get to see it. You're, yeah, you're too you're close, so close to, to it, it aren't you? Yeah. Gosh, so I suppose, do you... I suppose in a way, such a, a negative and, and traumatic experience had a very positive impact on... Um, your work would you say yeah not on a conscious level I think it just it just evolved that way um but also it's it's just one of those life experiences of many that you put into a book it's it's, it's something everyone goes through yeah at at some point and and it's about it's about about channeling that and putting it in and I suppose that's what you do as a writer you put all your life experiences in in different ways burglarize your life yeah 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 I'm so excited about reading it. But I mean, it's, it, it, I've always been fascinated and deeply impressed by anyone that could write in this genre because of the complexity, the intricacy of those, of those... I mean, obviously, I haven't read your book, but I'm imagining that it is full of twists and turns. And Has a few, of, yeah. Um, I don't think I realised... Uh, people keep describing it in reviews as yeah, very I've, twisty. I've read a lot of the twisty. <laughs> I don't twisty. think I realised it was that twisty until <laughs> until it was pointed out to me. Uh, yeah, you. I don't know. I suppose I've read a lot of things like that. I know the way crime fiction is supposed to work, and I, a lot of that I did sort of naturally. I, I've tried not to think about it in too much detail, Gosh. in case I lose them magic ability to do it <laughs> yeah you don't want to overanalyze it although but, you but do also, say that you're an you, overthinker yeah oh yeah very much so but uh it I'm, I'm being a bit disingenuous it also takes a lot of planning and a lot of rewriting so you write the first draft and it's nothing like that and then you rewrite it and you decide to move a bit here and you think actually it'd be better if i revealed that information at this point and to give the reader a bit more um, Are you one of those post-it note people? Yeah, yeah. My, I have one wall of my living room that's pretty much constantly covered in post-it notes. Gosh. 
Yeah, not bits of string. I haven't got that far yet. No. I know some people do kind of elaborate murder scenes on their walls, but I haven't got to that stage yet. Gosh, I don't think I'll ever <laughs> get to that stage. Um, but I live in hope. Um, you've, you mentioned, well, one of the things, I mean, you, you box sets, because obviously crime thriller, that sort of genre, um, police investigation, mm. line of duty, all of that sort of mm. stuff. Um does that inform your work? I'm sure it does at, at some so level. Um, I tend not to watch stuff? things like that when I'm in the heart of writing what I'm doing because I don't want to be too influenced by what I'm watching. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, 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 I watch a lot of all sorts of different things, not just, again, not just crime but box eclectic. sets, but, yeah, yeah all, all kinds of things. Um, what about? But yeah, it does. I mean, you do... In terms of police procedure, I suppose that's... I lent on what I'd seen on TV a lot to begin with. But you had to um, research. And then, yeah, you, then you do some research and find out that's not true. And then you have to bend it to fit what you want anyway. So. Gosh, it sounds, it sounds like sort of surgery. Like yeah. literary surgery. Yeah, I think... You, yeah, it, I always describe it... When, when it's at its worst, it's normally some somewhere towards the end of the first draft. And it feels like you're... You're kind of knitting with spaghetti, um, but but mm. like not cooked spaghetti, raw. <laughs> raw. Oh. No, sorry, not raw spaghetti. Cooked spaghetti, so but it's like sort of clumpy kind of like and stodgy, and just feels like it's yeah, a big and mess. bits of bits hanging out here, there, and everywhere, and then you have to go back and try and tidy it all up and make it make sense. How do you motivate yourself to keep going when you've got stodgy spaghetti on your knitting needles? Um, I have some very good friends who motivate me and, yeah. and tell me when I'm being an idiot and getting too in my own head and saying, I can't do this anymore. Uh, and goodness for them. Yeah, and then, I don't know, really. It, I think it's a bit like a compulsion. Mm -hmm. you, I, I speak to a lot of writers and they all say the same thing, which is at some point you've said to yourself, I can't do this anymore, I don't want to do this anymore, and you walk away. But something always draws you back. And I think like that's the key yeah. thing. Yeah. And you just have to keep going. Um, when you say keep going, you've just finished the second one. Mm. Do you, what do you think? Have you got any ideas about what might be after the second one? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a third one, um, <clears throat> which is in the planning stage at the minute, shall we say? Gosh. But yeah, it, and it also it has a, the, the book has a through, a thread that runs through these first three novels. So, so um, is it a triptych or a series? Um, it is a series yeah. and each one stands alone, but there's also a thread that you'll see Gosh. when you read the first one. You'll, you'll know what I mean. Um, you'll be uh, chomping at the bit for the second oh, one, I hopefully. I can't, I can't wait for the first one. <laughs> Um, should we just tell everyone when you're actually going to be launching and celebrating and talking about this book in live, real time? So we've got the 19th of February yes, at Waterstones. Yes, 19th February um, at Waterstones with a launch. Um, and it, unfortunately, though, is sold out. Oh, too popular. Um, yeah, already <laughs> sold out. Good. Um, and then the... The, the following day in London. So if you Sassy. if you're around about l in London, I'm at a bookshop, little independent bookshop called Gaze the Word, um, in Bloomsbury. Um, so I'm there on the twentieth, 
uh, and then the following week, and I can't remember the exact dates and times, but I'm doing three events with Sheffield Libraries. Um, Echoes Hall, Crystal Peaks and... Chaffle Town. That's right. Yeah. So uh, they're all on my website and... And central, um, uh, the library on website. On the library website as well, yeah. Okay. So you and you'll be s- selling and, and signing books there, presumably? Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, good. Um, hopefully, if you, if you want one. What was it like, the process of finding an agent and publisher? Was that, was that difficult? Did that come with this book or prior to that yeah I think I think you know the answer to this <laughs> it's incredibly it's difficult. difficult yeah mm. well um, that's actually good because it, sometimes it's frustrating when people are like no it's just first first one think? no okay. no it certainly wasn't the first one it was maybe over the course of about three or four years I was sending things out getting rejections very nicely worded rejections saying how great a writer I am that this isn't quite what we wanted or or the time's not right or all sorts of things at the end of the day they just whatever they tell you the real reason is they just didn't like it enough enough. yeah Um, and there's no there's no way around that you can't change their mind how do you deal with that rejection um is it the friends again yeah crying yeah crying drinking yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm not recommending that no (laughs) uh and just getting back on with it and, and and sending it out again and and just keep sending it and sooner or later uh, also within that space of time I rewrote the book yes several times and made it better and where do you write is it the same place or can you write anywhere um I can write most places I think I, I do a lot of work in coffee shops because I quite like being out and about it's my way of getting involved with people when yeah. I'm when I've had enough of being in my own head um, but I have a desk at home which I sit and write at. That's usually when I'm redrafting. I need to be at the desk when yeah. it's when it's first draft, and I'm creating. I, I prefer to be out because you can't work for as long on a first draft. I can only work for an hour or two, and because I, I run out of energy. Yes, yeah. it takes a lot out of you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Whereas when I'm redrafting words that are already there, I can keep going all day and sometimes forget what the time is and forget to eat. Oh, I never forget to eat, <laughs> sadly. Um, so you uh, say that well, you, you came to Sheffield, was it 20, 25 years ago-ish? Um, it was, I first came to Sheffield in 95. And what brought you here? A uni. uni. Came, yeah, came to uni. Studied media studies at Hallam University at Salter Lane, when there was a Salter Lane Gosh. campus. And yeah. then just stayed, because it was so much nicer. Yeah. And friendlier, you say, here, oh, compared definitely. to... Essex and then yeah well I don't really remember Essex I was only born there and, oh, right. and I, I was very young when we moved but I grew up in Berkshire and it's um well it's a strange place to be from I'm not knocking Berkshire no, it's, it's lovely but uh just not for you it, just felt more I, at home I, here yeah I, I like being in a city I was in a tiny I grew up in a tiny little village and um it, it was hard to get around yeah mm. yeah so I, I much prefer the city um, and what's your favourite thing about the city? Your favourite secret place about the city? Um, Which I have to quiz you on because I've never heard of it before. <laughs> so what, I can't remember what I put now. <laughs> the cholera monument. Oh, yes, yeah. Have you not been up there? Uh, well, I, maybe I have, but maybe I just didn't know it was called the cholera so monument. So on the, on the hill... My producer's looking at me like I'm completely insane now. <laughs> on the hill behind the station, very easy. You'll spot it as soon as you look up there, you'll see it. 
Um, there's a little oh, statue, a little of monument course. to all the victims of the cholera epidemic that hit in, oh gosh, I'll not remember the date, but um, a while a while back. Um, and I, it's, it's a nice little park. It's very quiet. Hardly anyone ever goes there. And it's got the best view across Sheffield. I love sitting on the bench and looking at that. Right, I'm going to give that When the weather's good, it's yeah. nice when it's bad. It's less good in the, in the drizzle. <laughs> so if you were to change anything about Sheffield, you've talked here about we need to think hard about what we want our cities to be in the future. And you've mm. very sweetly cited, you know, it's great that things are beginning to get renovated, like Commune, which mm. is based on the ground floor and, and Curious Arts. Um, what else would you like to see? Like, what do you think the, we should be, our vision for the, for the future of cities should be i think i think there have to be things like this that are that bring people together and give people a place to interact because they're not necessarily shopping centers anymore people are getting that itching that scratching that itch well, i should yeah, say itching that scratch itching that scratch <laughs> on the internet and so we've got to give people another reason to be to be using those spaces um, whether that means becoming an ideas factory that's much yeah. more exciting isn't it than trainers yeah definitely um, but also people living here and and working in the centre I think that's all part of it too parks parks and recreation parks and <laughs> <laughs> um, I like your idea of uh, pedestrianising the centre yeah I don't think that will go down well with most people but uh, it goes down given, well with me given that I don't drive well yeah, I, I can drive but I don't I choose not to drive yeah um so yeah I would love I would love the city oh, centre to be pedestrianised so relaxed wouldn't it <laughs> um okay I just want to um ask you well, well yeah I want you to tell people where they can find out more info so if you want to Give us your website and, and Twitter mm. handle. But before you do that, I'm just going to leave you with this thought, everyone, that um, a question I ask people is, what, what had you forgotten until just now? And Russ said, <laughs> for every person on Earth, there are 17 million flies. Sobering thought, isn't it? Is that true? Um, I gather so, yeah. Um, I think, I, I can't remember where I heard it originally. But I had to look it up online to check the exact number. And, uh, and yeah, true. that's what came up. Yeah. Gosh, it's shocking. Yeah. It's, it's, it puts you in perspective, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really, really does. Um, well, I'm sorry that I've ended us on flies. But, oh, um, that's my fault. No, no. I, I'm, it's the crime writer in me, I guess. Yeah. Good. You leave us with an unusual little tidbit. <laughs> um, well, I'm very much looking forward to the launch. And Thank you. For those who want to hear more, Russ... What is your email? Uh, well, not your email address. No, no your I won't website, give that out. <laughs> your um, web address. The website is russthomasauthor.com and you can also follow me at The Voice of Russ on most social media platforms. Brilliant. Russ, thank you so much for talking to me. I can't wait to read the book. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. A Curious Arts production. <laughs>